the Strategy Mob panel discussion featuring Jeff Hunter, Paul Long, Marco Mantenuto, Justin Robinson, Raj Day, and moderated by Everold Reed. Great to be among uh, peers and uh, in, uh, in this panel, and a uh, lot to discuss. So uh, your perspective and insight uh, is always great. I, I follow. I think most or all of you, almost all of you guys on LinkedIn, we're connected. So, and those of you who have not met, great to meet you. So. Uh, first question, and we'll start with, with Raj. You're, you're new to Lexus, and, um, but not new to the industry. So should salespeople have more autonomy, you think? And especially now that you've gone from Kia to the Lexus brand, have you, have you seen that you can have more autonomy? Do, do you have more autonomy with the Lexus brand? I think so. I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, it's, it's what you believe in, right? And, and, the, and the more... The more stuff you, you know, the more you know, ways you can engage it, you know, that's, that's, that's the way to go. You've know, you got to develop yourself you know, all the time. Absolutely. So um, wh- what about you, Dodge? I mean, I, I was going to call him Dodge because literally <laughs> he's, he is the brand for crying out loud in that it. dealership, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in, in, in your perspective where you're doing a lot of social media marketing and, and branding off yourself, how, how do you find having the autonomy that you do have to do that? I find um, the freedom that Dodge offers me. I made a brief stunt to, uh, to Jag Land Rover um, to try out the luxury brand. And obviously, there's a lot more red tape. Um, so it defines you as a salesperson. To really de- you, can you step out and show them who you are, really? Because people can read fake. Um, and the more you can put your brand towards who you truly are, people are going to be more embracing that. So uh, the freedom really is a big part of it. Um, obviously, there's going to be guidelines that you got to step into with the brand itself, uh, and the dealership is another part of that. How where are they willing to go? How far are they willing to step out of the box um, to really reach a new level? Is basically the, the idea behind that. But uh, I think giving a salesperson the freedom that they want or they need goes case by case. You got to really analyze the, who it is. People are very have strengths in one point and don't in others. So you really got to find their strengths and help them build up on that. All right, so we're talking about autonomy in the dealerships and salespeople having more autonomy. So with that said, how would that change the relationship now between management and sales and the sales team? Let's do uh, Marco. Um, so there's a difference between, uh, I, I believe there's a difference between autonomy and freedom. Um, autonomy is taking the training wheels off to me and uh, letting them ride on their own. And, uh, but management should always keep an eye on uh, the salespeople and the sales process. A lot of salespeople, especially in the early days, they tend to, including myself, they tend to think that there is a better way of doing things and trying to go around the process. Um, so, you know, keeping an eye on that, I think is, uh, is a good thing, ultimately. Uh, the relationship between uh, the salesperson and the manager is only gonna go stronger with the more autonomy and, and a hint of freedom that they are given, the salespeople. What do you think, Justin? How, how do you find it in your dealership with your, your relationship with management? Uh, I think the more autonomy that the salespeople end up with, it ends up being more of a collaborative process with your management team because you end up sitting there and figuring out strategies together versus more so being dictated to this is what we go through, 
And I think that's important because at the end of the day, the sales managers know the process, they have their experience, they're, they're where they're at for a reason. But at the end of the day, we're the ones sitting directly across from our customers and we're the ones that know our customers. So by allowing the salespeople some level of freedom, but working with them to take what they've learned and tailor make it into the process for each customer, you end up being the most successful you can. So, so Jeff, how do you find, um, or what would you say are some ways that management can better support their sales teams, especially going, you know, we talk about autonomy and having that collaborative uh, communication and communication is a big one, but uh, what else can they do to support you, especially going forward? Yeah, well, I think we've, we've talked about a few of these things today. Um, one of them was we were, we were referencing uh, where a customer came in and the salesperson is responding to, uh, you know, a lead uh, on the computer and the customer comes in and the manager's at the, at the door saying like, come on, there's a customer here. And, I think if, if, if management can take a bit more of a role at, at helping that customer and assuming that role in the interim, uh, where I know it's a, there's a lot that don't. Fortunately, I, you know, my, my sales manager is relatively new to the management position, but he was working in sales before. So we see that at our dealership, which we're very fortunate for because he can take that customer, he knows the product, and he can buy that time um, in the interim and still, and still have a good uh, representation you know, for us uh, at the dealership. I also think uh, talking about something else we spoke about today as well is just in training. I, I think that there's a lot of management that all, uh, you know, unfortunately when I first started, I was just kind of thrown in the fire. I, I never worked in the industry. I didn't know anything about it. And it was just a matter of here, go figure it out. And, and I think now more than ever, there just needs to be more of an emphasis on our management. It doesn't have to be necessarily an outside training, but even just that manager, because nine times out of 10, that manager has come up through similar ranks that we had, and, and, and he or she can, t can teach us some, uh, some, some tips and tricks to, to help us in our daily, uh, our daily sales. So one of the most popular or unpopular subjects, depending on who you talk to in the, in the auto space, especially for salespeople, is pay structure. Um, how, how do you deal with this? And is, is, there a, is there one method that works better than others in, in a dealership? as far as pay structures for sales reps is concerned. What do you think, Paul? Uh, I've never worked off of anything but commission. So being in the industry, I mean, I've seen people that have worked for salary and I feel, I'm gonna say they don't have as much fuel on the pit. Um, I mean, every month, as they said, we started earlier, you start fresh. So you know every month you've got to start fresh and you've got to build uh, that paycheck. Whereas salary, it kind of lets you sit back a bit. And I, I guess maybe not, Personally, I would feel it doesn't take it as seriously. Um, where commission is, you're trying to hold gross, you're trying to really help the business as well. So I think- So are there yeah. any ways that you think it needs to change going forward? Um, I think continuing the commission, obviously, the way it is, as we were talking earlier, um, you were saying how the Equinox is basically going down in gross, yet they haven't upped the, uh, the front end on it. So I mean, in that sense too, there's gotta be some sort of bonus throughout it as well. I mean, volume bonus sometimes are unobtainable when you're from a small city. So there's gotta be other values that you can put into the table, which doesn't even have to be just money itself. There can be other values that you put onto the table as well. And I think it really depends sometimes too, if I, if I can just add to that, um, you know, where you are, where you're located, what the dealership is, because I can tell you firsthand that I'm positive that my dealership in Sault Ste. Marie, which has a population of 60,000 people, where we base our, our salaries off of gross, off of gross profit, because we have a bit of a captive audience where 
you know, it's a little more cutthroat when you're in, when you're in more of a major center and you have you know five different dealerships and you know within a stone throw that are selling the same exact brand that you are. Um, I think that pay structures may just have to be flexible to where you are as well sometimes too. What do you think, Justin? I mean, as a counterpoint to Paul, I've, I've worked in the scenario where Paul was. We actually worked together, and and now I'm at a place where there is a there is a base salary, and then volume bonuses, and and I think one of the biggest add-ons that I can take away from from other pay plans that I've been a part of is in order to see kind of more successful deals as a whole for the dealership, also providing some type of incentives for the accessories department, for the finance department. Um, quite frankly, if, if I have skin in the game, I'm going to be much more much more invested in, in where that deal goes after it leaves after it leaves my desk. Unfortunately, that's just the truth of the beast, right? Um, having worked in both, but uh, to Paul's point about commission um, versus salary, there's a level of security having that salary, you're right. So there isn't necessarily the, I don't wanna say there's a lack of fire at the beginning of every month, but there is, a, I would say it actually mellows out the anxiety of being back at zero a little bit because you know at the end of the day, your expenses are at least gonna be taken care of for the month. And then everything else after that, you, you're really pushing for your, for your gravy on top of that. So, Do you think the customer obviously can feed off that as well? They can tell you don't have that, that same anxiety, that same, you know, we've all been aware there where we've been in a slump maybe for a little bit, right? Yep. And it makes it that much harder to sell the next car. But when you're taking along, everything just goes so much easier. It's almost the same thing where you're not, if you don't have that worry maybe in the back of your mind, like, you know, you're able to relax more. And there's no, you know, for sure a lot of the customers can, can perceive that as well yeah, and yeah, it makes them feel more comfortable that also. kind of reek of desperation that we get sometimes exactly. right so, no for sure um no and i mean kidding yourself if you don't think that i've used that as a closing tool before too oh i'm not commission based it's not about <laughs> trying to get you there right so, every time sometimes. <laughs> whatever we can do so so, so Raj, what uh, strategies from your perspective being in your 11th year now in the automotive business and given the 2020 that we've had uh what strategies would you probably adapt or change going forward or recommend your sales people go going forward in 2021? You have to be out there. You have to be out there as a salesperson because you cannot expect people to just, you know, come to you or contact you at the dealership, okay? I always say that, you know, my mantra is, you know what, we're in a dealership on wheels. So if somebody cannot come to us, we gotta go to them, okay? And if somebody's just waiting, you know, for, for somebody to come in or the leads to come in, you're a salesperson. What are you doing? You know, how many, how many business cards have you handed out? How many prospecting you've, you've done? How many phone calls you've done, right? The number shows, the, you know, math doesn't lie, you know? So instead do you of- think, Do you recommend a social media strategy as well? I mean, again, it, so, social media doesn't sell you car. Social media gives you exposure, okay? But you have to be out there getting that business, you know? Somebody right now, you know, they're, they're buying a car. Okay, and at the end of the day, if you if you if you are at the dealership and on a Saturday and he didn't sell a car, you gotta ask yourself why you didn't sell a car today. Have I done everything possible to sell a car today? So Justin and Paul, you guys are big social media guys, and I'm and I'm going to the as as well as Jeff here. So I'm gonna ask you guys quickly the same question. You know, does social media sell cars in your opinion? Absolutely. Um, I believe that. As a salesperson, too many people rely on the marketing and the BDC of the business itself. Um, when they're having a crappy day or having an awful week, is why you're not bringing in more leads. And to Raj's extent, the same thing. 
what are you doing to pull your own customers in? Because you can't be relying sitting there, sitting at your desk for the next up to come through the door or the next internet lead to come in. It's what are you doing out there to bring the next customer to you? And uh, I know proof in the pudding that uh, I've had customers reach out as far as Elliott Lake, which is eight hours from me, um, making the trip to buy a vehicle off of me. And that is strictly off of just being, as you said, being out there. Um, but it did lead to sales. There's been sales that have been strictly over my Facebook page alone. Uh, first time I meet them is the time, literally, them picking up the vehicle. And uh, that's the most easy process. I can't say how much easier it is negotiating with somebody off of, a so once you have a social media presence or they feel they have trust in you, you've brought down that wall already and you're not negotiating to beat the guy down the street. They want to buy off you. They already have followed through. And as long as you keep up to that, um, I totally believe that you can sell cars through social media. What, what about you, Jack? Well, so, I mean, obviously all those are, were, were, great in, uh, were great points, obviously, and they all ring true. But I think what a lot of people overlook is, is the retention aspect of, of social media as well. So uh, I've been probably dabbling with, with Facebook and doing Facebook for about th just hitting on three years now. And I've already seen, so it might not have been that initial sale, which of course I do get that from that as well. But it's, it's that relationship I build with that customer after the fact. Like, you know, I could have sold somebody a GMC Sierra, for example, and they're liking pictures of GMC Sierras or, or videos I'm doing or other customers that I'm putting their pictures up. And, and so I'm always top of mind with them. And wh who do you think they're going to recommend, uh, you know, if somebody else is looking for Everybody a vehicle? Everybody wants their car guy. Yeah, they're yeah. all you know, car and, guy. Oh, yeah. I got a guy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Or, or, or it's th them or it's their, their child or it's their, you know, whoever. And, and so I just think that a lot of people are overlooking social media as a, as a retention tool as much as it is just the initial, uh, you know, gaining of the customer as well. Do you think that brand, do you think you as a salesperson or the salesperson as the personal brand is actually more important than the logo on the building now? Because as Paul and Jeff, and I know um, my friend up here, Justin, uh, I know you, know you guys have brought people in because of you. How much of that happens more now, you think, than, than before because of social media? So um, the logo is important to a certain extent. If you're building a brand, you're doing it for yourself mainly, first and foremost. And the logo needs to be interchangeable to a certain ex uh, extent, unless you're lucky to put your roots down in a place where it's owned by the same person forever and they treat you the same way and they keep throwing money at you, whatever the case might be, and nothing changes, that's great. Um, but I look at the, the social media aspect more like my, uh, sort of like my legacy. Uh, there isn't, uh, you know, with, with the exception of the greats like um, George Gerard and um, a few other ones, really, there isn't, uh, we're not, you know, salespeople kind of come and go and, you know, we, we're forgotten about. So I treat the, uh, the social media aspect more as, uh, as what I'm leaving behind. So if somebody, that's why a lot of my videos are focused on teaching new salespeople what to do, because much like yourself, I was thrown into the wolves. And uh, so I want people to search how to you know, close a deal or whatever and have my face pop up and, and continue that on, right? So, uh, yeah. Cool. So what can uh, salespeople do now going forward, especially dealing, you know, you've got all the other challenges you're dealing with. Yeah leads coming in all from all different angles, customers shopping even while they're in front of you. How can you manage all these expectations now and still close business with this new social distance world? What, what about, uh, let's go with uh, Justin first. And it's all about keeping their attention at the end. Like, so whether it's sending the videos before they arrive, sending the videos after they leave, um, you know, I had great luck having just a digital picture frame at my desk. Right now we've got monitors and everything, constantly cycling something for them 
to look at, right? So in a socially distanced world, a big screen sitting on the desk is going to draw their attention more so they don't need to look down at their phone. They don't need to be looking at what the other Honda stores, what the other Dodge stores in the area are offering. You've got their captive attention and they're creating, you're building a bond with them without you ever actually speaking to them in some of those situations. Justin, is there any new technology that you, uh, you'd recommend going forward for, for this year? Jeff, Jeff rather, not Justin. <laughs> the other guy. <laughs> well, you know what? This, this thing in my pocket right here, this might seem like it's new technology to some salespeople because they don't use it to, to do videos with, right? So I don't think that there's necessarily a ton of new stuff out there. It's just there's so many things out there that we haven't been using, right? Uh, I think this industry, and I, I'm sure most people in this room can agree, is one of the slowest changing industries, one of the biggest industries, but at the same time, one of the slowest changing industries, and that, that trickles right down to the salespeople as well, that there's so much resistance to change and resistance to, to, to putting yourself out there. And, and so I don't necessarily think that there's a ton of new technology, just the focus on the social media, the focus on, if you're not, even if you're not doing social media, doing the video on your phone to send to your customer, right? I, I just think that there needs to be more focus on what we already have before we even worry about anything new that's coming out. That's just my opinion anyways. Yeah, so um, Raj, as far as creating the customer experience is concerned, um, how do you find it now where you as a salesperson are able to define that whole experience for the client? You have to be different, right? You have to create excitement, be enthusiastic about it, right? You have to build value, you know, in yourself, the dealership, the brand. Um, and, uh, and, you know, just, just, just make things exciting for people to come in. Yeah, it's, it's about that. It's just that. It's, it's differentiating yourself from everyone else. Um, like Jeff was talking about earlier in cities where there's, you know, four or five brands, like stores of the same brand. What's going to make you stand out from the guy down the road? And it's not even against the brand. You're, the customer experience you're offering, your competition is their last great customer experience. It doesn't matter where it was. It could be at Tim Hortons, someone told them, have a great day, have a perfect day, here's your coffee with a smile. And that's going to be the thing that you are up against in the car sales process. Yeah. So, Paul, with, with so many Dodge dealerships around, what, what do you, what's that one thing that you attribute your success to? I mean, yes, you're on social media, mm -hmm. and, but there's also a lot of other Dodge dealerships. Absolutely. What, what do you think uh, has well, worked Well, one thing I find, like the biggest thing I find working with a brand as big as Dodge um, in a bigger city, I have literally a Dodge dealership that is literally less than two blocks away. Um, so again, selling the experience, but um, it's building the value and keeping that. As I always tell my customers, I don't want to be just your car salesman today. I want to be your car salesman for life. I want to be the guy you go to for all, all of your vehicle needs. Um, and that's the big difference. I mean, next to the dollar, that's literally it. Anybody can cut anybody else's dollar down the street. By the end of the day, we're all cutting each other's throats to make nothing off of a deal. Um, but it's building the value that I'm not just here for the sale. Um, I'm here for you long after the sale. And that's kind of something customers need to have because they can go to any different dealership. But if you can show the value in A, my service department is going to take care of you. Um, I'm going to have, you know, the warranties. You have a salesman that is going to be here for you when you have questionable gray areas that you can come back to. I think these are all things, too, that customers do build value in. Um, than just going to, you know, the McDonald's guy and buying just a car and calling it a day. Um, like Peel, the same thing with Peel. They have lit straight up. That is 
Anybody will, you know, they'll steal my deal from anybody, but at the end of the day, where are they going to be for you when that car breaks down, if it does? Where are they going to be for me when you need something besides the vehicle, your next vehicle? Uh, so it's providing a service that they're going to feel is going to be more ongoing than just the sale. Well, actually, I, I actually, no, let's, let's be clear. I heard you word it differently before. I'm not just a one-night stand. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. I have to say before. Yeah. I'm here for It goes away with some, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a good analogy, though, to be honest. Yeah. But one of, the, one, one of the things we, we, we can all do is, um, you know, is, is not to bash any other brands, right? As a salespeople, we have to respect each other's time, you know, our, our efforts to sell them a car, right? So, you know, we are solving, we're problem solvers, okay? And, and, and one of my biggest pet peeves is that when other salespeople talk negatively about you know, somebody else. And that just shows you know, who you are as a character um, um, and just shows the lack of, you know, uh, lack of experience of, you know, in this business. So I'll start with you, Raj, with this next question. So with what we've just covered here, um, going forward in 2021, if you had a brother or a sister or a friend or, you know, wanted to get into the automotive business as a salesperson, what, what advice, what's that one thing that you would say that you'd recommend them do? Be personable. Be somebody that, you know, you can open up to, right? Customer can come to you and understand them in a whole different way, just not you're, you're selling a car. What about you, Justin? Uh, listen. Listen way more than anything because at the end of the day, you're, I say that way too much. <laughs> uh, no, you're there to solve their problem as it came up in one of the earlier panels, right? And the sooner you can identify what that problem is, what they're looking for to, to be solved, you can take care of that customer and it's a more personal experience for that client. What do you think, Marco? Um, first advice I give is go out and shop shop and, and take notes of how you're treated, what you like and what you don't like. And that's your sales process will write itself pretty much at that point. And what you say to your clients is gonna take care of its own because ultimately people just, uh, the, the happiest customers, clients I've had, and I'm sure everybody can agree, is the ones that are, uh, um, that you're, you're treating like wholly, 100%, the same way you'd wanna be treated, mm -hmm. uh, especially our industry. Uh, as we mentioned, it's slow to change, and uh, uh, but clients have, have been changing a lot quicker than we had. And uh, you know, starting from uh, when they used to get wouldn't give you their phone numbers because you like supposedly hounded them, to now they're giving your phone giving you their phone number, begging you to call them because no salesperson returns a client's call apparently nowadays. So they just want to you know go out shop, get yourself uh, you know, if you have the chance, hire a realtor, fire a realtor. Go buy appliances. Um, most interesting one, try and buy a hot tub. Deal with a hot tub salesperson. See what they're like, because they're, wow. <laughs> Knock my socks so, off. So Paul, with, with the experience that you've had and the success that you've had, you know, what would you recommend to your best friend starting out in the business? Um, just understanding the simple concept of process. I really think, uh, I was like Jeff, literally the first dealership I started with, um, there was no process. It was just go out, find out what works for you and uh, making the next step to a dealership that actually had a process built. Um, don't try and reinvent the wheel. I mean, there is a simple process. Obviously, you're gonna customize it or tailor make it to each customer, um, but it's, it's simple. Like, if you literally touch each aspect of the process, you will have a better chance at closing. There's no question about it. And there's a reason that this, this has been built. Yeah. Um, so yeah, process is definitely something I think needs to be built and distilled into, uh, 
to someone that's new to the industry. And what about you, Jeff? And you know, you're in Northern Ontario. It's a different type of community. Would you recommend your friend or neighbor to get into car sales and why? Yeah, no, first I'd say no. <laughs> uh, no, but I mean, yeah, and, and so kind of harking back to what Justin spoke out and Dan spoke about, and one of my favorite Zig Ziglar quotes is start, stop selling and start helping. And so I think right off the bat, that's one of the things you have to learn. And past that, I just think the, one of the things, and, and, and I hope this shows, and, and what I do as well is, is just be authentic. You know, don't, don't try and make yourself seem like you're somebody else or sound, sound something better. Just, just be yourself in it. Because I think, again, now more than ever, people can really read through that. You know, they know if you're, if you're not being authentic. And I think right off the bat, that lowers, uh, that, that reduces so much stress and it breaks so much ice. And people know, you know, and then you're, you don't have to live up to anything other than what you're already offering. Yeah. Right? So just keeps it simple for yourself. So, so on that note, um, how do you how how has you seen the customer how have you seen the customers change in um, given the pandemic and what are their expectations uh, now how are, how are those expectations changing how are you able to service those clients this is me uh, yeah. uh, so you, two for one yeah yeah no um, I, I think the cut I think again we spoke about this uh, the customer expectation is is definitely higher I think again it's funny because we we as an industry, we are so slow to adapt to things and, and this forced us to adapt to things. So there's a lot of customers that didn't realize, oh, you, they can deliver a vehicle you know, to my house or, or they can do this. You know, so I think that, that there's now a higher expectation because people are seeing the things that we should have already been doing and are able to do but hadn't been doing. So I think you know, that's something we have to live up to. Um, and I think there needs to be more of a focus again on, on some of the online things because not everybody is comfortable in coming in, and, and that'll help streamline the process so much if you can nail down that aspect of it. Uh, so you, you have so much more done before that customer does come in. Um, so I'll ask the marketer here, uh, Paul, should a salesperson rely solely on what the dealership is doing or what can the salesperson do to If you want to make 40 grand a year, by all means, sit at the desk. Sit and at the desk and wait. You, but, uh, <laughs> If you want to make, you know, like that's one thing I love about sales. I had no idea um, getting into the auto industry what was actually available to you if you put your time and effort. And that's one thing. Um, I had a business that I ran for 10 years before, and it is exactly that. You are literally going to work, working for yourself. You have them supplying you with the, you know, the inventory um, and the building and uh, the clients that you have, but uh, you get what you put into it. So you really do have to take those efforts to the next level and always think, what can I do? to help build my day, to build my week, to build my portfolio, planting the seeds for the future sales. Uh, so I think that's, that's a huge part to it. How, how do you think, um, Marco, dealerships can, and salespeople can establish more trust with clients, especially in this uh, pandemic where there's so social distancing? Well, the trust factor should be, whether it's a pandemic or not, um, if they weren't trusting you before the pandemic, then it's more, it was you. It wasn't me, sir. <laughs> uh, no, honey, it was definitely me. <laughs> no, but so the, the trust factor shouldn't change. The, the, the pandemic has, um, you know, changed the, changed the landscape. But at the same time, really, the, the, the biggest difference I found with clients and, and trust is more the precautions they are taking with, uh, uh, with the pandemic. Like I had a, a doctor come into the dealership and... Uh, uh, he was happy to see that we were checking everybody's temperature when they walked in, sanitizing their hands, getting them to um, sign um, a piece of paper saying, you know, they, they weren't they're in trouble outside of the country and what's not. So that's uh, that's the kind of trust that you can build during a pandemic. Aside from that, I mean, everything else should be um, 
It should be business as usual, I believe. Just one. <laughs> People show up on time. Go down. Everything. We're out of real. We'll start at one end. What has it done for you? Just get get out of your comfort zone, right? Yeah, um, it's pushed us to be more creative in the ways that we find our clients, whether it's as a store or us individually. Um, Paul and I were talking on the way up. It's taken what was going to probably be the next five to ten years of advancement in terms of technologically reaching out to your customers and forced us ahead in the last year. What about you, Marco? I don't like that because now there is more competition in the field. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, the big one is uh, people that show up on time for their appointment. That's Huge. In Toronto, that's huge because <laughs> the traffic and they take it more in consideration now. But uh, yeah, it's the people show up in the, for their appointment. Um, you know, they, uh, yeah, that's, I gotta say, that's the biggest thing. I can't, I'm a, a lack of words because that's like when that started happening, it changed my, uh, my day to day because now I could plan ahead yeah. better. Yeah. Because before you plan the delivery at three o'clock and then this guy's gonna show up at 12 and then that guy shows up at 2.30 and your delivery shows up half an hour early and all of a sudden there's all this, uh, this mix up. So that's, that's been the biggest change, I believe, for me. What about you, Paul? Um, I think one of the biggest things that frees up your day more, to be honest with you, by having customers that are more, um, you know, they value their time more and they don't want a thousand cooks in the kitchen. They don't want to meet everybody in the dealership. They don't want to do a four hour uh, process. You know when they're coming in that you can close this within an hour, usually have them in the finance and out. Uh, so I think it's giving you more opportunity to do things like branding or marketing or um, just reaching out to other customers out there because it's shortening the process of the actual in-house sale. How about you, Jeff? What positive impact has it had on well, you? Justin and Marco took both my answers. But, <laughs> but you know, actually touching on what, what uh, Marco was saying, it's, it's not even the fact like you're saying that people, people aren't necessarily showing up on time for their appointments. Mine has just been in a, in a small community. People just drop by, right? And so... The, the appointment aspect I love because people are, are getting programmed to think that they need one. So I'll have people, oh, do you need an appointment? You absolutely do, you know, Mr. Jones or whatever, you know, like, so, you know, it, it, yeah, it was, so it's, it's really trained in a very short time people to just expect that they need an appointment, which again has allowed us to uh, figure a day. And again, I just think the fact that you can streamline, um, you know, some of these people and do a lot more stuff online, which I'm fortunate that I've, and, and Paul and, and people who've been doing online already that, we already have this presence, so people are going to reach out to us first. We can streamline so much before they even get to the dealership. So when we have a couple of seconds, we can reply to them online. They come in, and we already know what they're doing. The vehicle's already ready, uh, and along with that appointment as well. So those are the couple, those are the couple of things that, that I would change. And, and also, I'm going to add to, add to this. Um, the dealership has been much more cleaner, <laughs> including the cars. <laughs> where, where do you work again? <laughs> yeah, Lexus. Jason Harris. <laughs> I don't want to see it for myself because there's more competition, but I think the dealers should be doing more in-house training for what we've been talking about a lot today, which is social media and doing it the proper way. And, and, and the dealership should be, should be doing something where they're, they're utilizing their, their sales force to be their advertising team, right? Um, again, that's not necessarily direct for, for myself, but good, you know, it, it can help me, right? Because especially living in a small community I live in, it might be 
Susan that's beside me that, that does the video, but my customer or somebody that knows my mom or whatever that knows I work there sees that video and then comes in. So I think that uh, from a dealership perspective, if they're, if they're teaching these rest of the salespeople to do this properly on a social media uh, way and a video way, it's going to only help all of us. That's one thing I think. Well, I'll take that one first. <laughs> I've been asked a question. Um, I, I think in some cases, is one of the answers I gave uh, earlier is dealing with that in the individual at scale, knowing that, okay, they're 70 or 80, um, it's going to be an uphill battle to try to convert, frankly, them to, to using social media or um, smartphones let alone answer every email and reply to every voicemail in a timely manner every day. Um, so I think it's important that, you know, the conversation with that person is totally different than, than everybody else and making them realize, you know, yeah, you know, Bob, I know you've been here for 30 years. Things have changed, as you can see, you know, but it would be great for us to help you along. What can we do to help you? you know, to make this process a little bit easier? You know, do you need a new phone? Do you need some training? I think, I think that one-on-one heart-to-heart conversation might be a good start. And sometimes, sometimes something isn't always better than nothing. Um, we've run into situations in the past where it's been kind of management mandated that people are making videos or making social media posts, making their own page. And ultimately, sometimes that devalues the efforts of the people that are really putting their heart and soul into it. If you get, you know, Jim that's been there forever, and it's always Jim, and he, uh, Jim. you know, he grumbles on the video, and he, he can tell he doesn't have his heart in it, and that's the first video that a new customer to your dealership sees. The next time one of your videos comes up, they're more apt to just go, ah, I like it's just, it doesn't have that same quality put into it. But to include that person in your dealership's social media marketing would be awesome to do, whether it's just take a look at Jim next to our brand new insight get his face on there and then he might slowly find himself warming up more and more to the idea of participating in that kind of stuff i agree with that like leading by example taking just encouraging the people that are doing it i think is a huge part of it because nobody's going to want to be left in the dust eventually this guy is going to want to convert um, by seeing the example that somebody's actually the results they're getting out of it Uh, so you can't exactly just drag them to the water and tell them to drink if they're not going to drink they're not going to drink but if you can show them time and time again that this, this is working, this is the new age, this is what we need to do, uh, I do believe you're going to get them pushing a lot yeah. closer to it. But I, I think it's not just a matter of, and, and I'm sure you'll agree with this, it's not just a matter of telling them to do it. I think, again, it harkens back to what I keep saying, which is we need training, right? So just because I can do a video doesn't necessarily mean that the person beside me knows how to do it. And, and I think that there's people that are maybe willing to do it, but if they're just told to do it and they don't know how to do it or, or, or what to, how to start, I think that's, that's where we have to start is, 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 is from a training perspective and, and showing these people what to do and do it properly because that's only going to benefit the dealer as well because you, dealership as well because you don't want them going totally off kilter and doing something that's, you know, kind of like... Justin and maybe said, sometimes the person it. who's relaying that information to that one individual who's kind of set in their ways is not necessarily the manager in this instance, but maybe someone else that they trust, a teammate. You know, you... Uh, relay the message to the teammate and, you know, slowly help them along. But I think, sorry, I think also just what he's talking about too is, is it's not even just that one person. Yeah. Like at, at most dealerships, it's 
Yeah. Almost everybody. Yeah. Like, because there's only, like, you know, we're, Paul and I and, and Justin and, like, and Raj, we're, we're standing out because we are the people that are actually doing it now. And there's a country, there's a country of salespeople that, that aren't. So that means that the majority of dealerships are probably not having those people doing that. So it's, it, it, I don't think it's just a, a conversation with one or two people always. Yeah. Um, it's a conversation with the sales team. Team, absolutely. One thing is, uh, if I can add, uh, I think you're doing something right already because I've watched your heated seats. Uh, yeah. Show. Yep. <laughs> so, <laughs> leading by leading by example starts with. Uh, so, what can the management do yeah. um, for the salespeople? I've been in in the management shoes, and uh, I can tell you that uh, you can tell them until you're blue in the face to do it, and they're not going to do it. And I've done it. And then when I got back on the floor, I said, "Oh crap, I got to do it now." <laughs> but uh, that that kind of pushed me. But if you're going to reach out to older people, a lot of people, when you tell them to do a video, they picture them like the videos that we do with our faces. First and foremost is our face. Uh, and by the way, there is the car sort of deal. But um, it doesn't have to start like that. Start with baby steps. Like do a video on how to change the battery in our remotes. Silly and simple, but get them comfortable. Get their feet wet before you throw them in the pool. And, uh, and that's it. But that's that's mis the misunderstanding between management and salespeople the most is that Management tells them to get on video or get on social media or do something productive um, to get their faces out there, and they immediately think, "Oh my God, I'm, I just got casted for Glee or something." <laughs> they got to be, they have to be uh, first and foremost, uh, like their their face needs to be there. Their face doesn't have to be there. The walkarounds of the vehicles are are what got my feet wet, for example, because it was like, "Okay, here, so and so, this is the Chevy Cruze or the Audi or whatever it is that I was looking at." And, uh, and a quick walk around on the car talking about the car. It's not about you, it's, not, it's about the client and the car. So get that mentality out, out of the way, right? So I have one question before we wrap up this segment and I'm happy to take any questions. I got a question so, after you though. Yes, uh, well, how, how about you go? <laughs> now, this is a question for every, uh, all of us here. Do you think that uh, we should add the, uh, the customer on all the social media platforms? Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. With their consent, you mean? Yeah. yeah. Yes, if you have A, a business profile, or B, your social media image is squeaky clean. Those are the two, but I don't see any harm in adding your clients, sending them invites to your pages, doing whatever. It's just more points of contact, and ultimately, they're going to look at this, look at your page, and the next time their friend is looking, hey, this is the guy that I bought from, check out his stuff. It's all right there in their phone already for them to look at, and that's a way easier referral than trying to find the business card sometimes, right? So that would be my... Because I tend to like do a lot of like Facebook and Instagram. Like, yeah. you know, can I add you on my Instagram yeah. and stuff, right? Yeah. But LinkedIn, I kind of try to stay away a little bit. Well, LinkedIn's, what, more, LinkedIn's not so much for selling. That's yeah, one thing. Exactly. LinkedIn is for building you know, your family, your business. Exactly. That's, that's where I've got each job. <laughs> 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 Getting um, invited to this place <laughs> exactly. right now, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, one of, one of the things that my, one of the, the original bosses I had told me, and it's going to sound uh, a bit mean, but he said, make people do most of the work or as much as possible, other people. Yeah, so, so ultimately, that, that's part of the reason why, uh, for example, one of the things I use, um, because I don't have a great social media presence for my personal profile, um, and I don't think I want it because of that Vegas trip in 15. But anyways, uh, uh, the point of the matter is, I do the, the delivery video when the car is nice and cleaner and it's looking its best. I do a quick walk around video, and then I, I attach my business card or myself, whatever, to the end of the video. 
and then I send it to my clients ahead of time. And then you can see, I do it on YouTube because it counts the views, um, but you can see he, who, how many times they're sharing that video amongst their family. And uh, it's, that's essentially doing the work for you, right? And it's, it go, it's gonna make you stand out, hopefully still after this session, <laughs> to, for, from other salespeople, right? So. All right, so my question to you, to you guys and to the audience is, <clears throat> we've, we've talked a lot about what the dealerships can do and what managers can do and so on. Um, there's not too many salespeople I know, uh, or managers for that matter, that spend a lot of time or money invested in themselves. I can, I, I, I know Paul does because he at least bought my book. So <laughs> I know you. Oh. I know. Well, at least so. At least know he read one book. <laughs> um, but I, I think one of the things I know for a fact, uh, as uh, as I've traveled across, um, you know, U.S. and Canada doing consulting and training is. Not too many sales, or actually very few, salespeople invest in themselves to begin with. Most have never read a sales book, watch a, you know, a YouTube video, anything to improve their own skills at their profession or what is to be their profession. So I think a lot of the responsibility also lies within the individuals. And if these individuals want to get better, they can also say to their sales managers or, or dealer principals that, hey, this is important, just like you're alluding to here with the social media training is important and it is obviously relevant to be done and necessary. So uh, with more people like yourself advocating for that type of training within dealerships, it obviously drives the need for more training because, uh, you know, I can speak to that because I've developed courses and stuff that transforms dealerships and try to get dealerships or salespeople to spend money, it's, it's sometimes it's very difficult. But, um, but it's important, I think, if you want to have the best sales career you can ever have, is number one, I don't depend on my managers and I don't depend on my dealer per se. I appreciate what they do, but I spend a lot on myself to invest in myself and where I can afford it, then obviously I ask for help or I seek help elsewhere. But I think for any salespeople that want to get out of that $40,000 bracket, which is the average salesperson's income in Canada, by the way, it's 39,000 and change. Okay. It's not very much. Okay. All right. Uh, that's the average income. Shared with you in confidence, huh? Yeah. <laughs> right? So if you don't want to be in that bracket and you want to be, you know, in, in six figures or multiple six figures brackets, then it, it definitely involves investing in yourself. And you don't have to wait for your dealership to do that. But dealerships absolutely should invest more in their teams and especially those who want to learn more. Uh, I'm a big advocate of, of that. So thank you very much, guys. I appreciate you. you being part of the panel and everybody that we've had up here today.